Hey everyone, post-production David with a, just a little quick message before we start here today. We were a little bit later on the release of this episode just because I was actually visiting Amanda for a little bit. So we took a little bit of a break just to sort of hang out with each other and this was actually recorded during that time. So you may notice a little bit more echo than most episodes just because we usually don't record in person. Uh, but we will be back on our regular Thursday release schedule after this episode. Until then, enjoy our take on High Fidelity. Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on. And today we are doing something different. A few episodes back, we reviewed High Fidelity, including the 1995 novel by Nick Hornby and the 2000 adapted film. Today, we are revisiting the world of Rob and the record store gang with Hulu's latest adaptation of the story. That's right. This past Valentine's Day, Hulu released it as a 10-episode miniseries with the main role of Rob going to Zoe Kravitz. So we watched it, and we had a lot of opinions. And for those of you who need a reminder, here is a short summary of the OG High Fidelity plot. So High Fidelity follows Rob, who uh, in the original book is a 35-year-old record store owner, going through a very fresh breakup with his fairly serious girlfriend. It launches him into an early midlife crisis where he lists out his top five breakups going all the way back to his preteen makeout buddy and then revisits those women to see where this pattern of rejection came from. In this new adaptation, Rob is short for Robin and is played, like David said, by Zoe Kravitz. Uh, she is on the brink of her 30th birthday, and otherwise, she is still basically the despondent record shop owner we know from the original. So as a quick summary, what David, what lingering feelings do you have after we reviewed the first High Fidelity? I feel like the more I think about it, the worse it ages. <laughs> yeah, we weren't really high on it to begin with. So <laughs> No, and pretty much the only thing that when I look back on it, I feel nostalgic about is the fact that it's set in Chicago and we lived near Chicago. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really it. Otherwise, the Rob character does not age very well, especially mm -hmm. as a male character. So that's why I was super excited for this series to sort of remix some of the terrible things that the book brought. Yeah, we had some conflicting feelings because we both enjoyed Nick Hornby's writing, but we did not enjoy the story so it it was it was a very strange experience to enjoy the writing but really hate rob as a person and a character and all the choices that he made uh so now we got a brand new female rob uh with new character choices and everything so uh you want to dive into the adaptation? You want to go straight into it? Yeah, let's do it. And and just to clarify, we know Rob is supposed to be a terrible character. Yes, we know that. But it was almost too terrible. It was almost... There's a difference between being like terrible and sort of the, ju the story justifying the character's terribleness. Yeah. And it was kind of hard to it wasn't, get into that. Because it wasn't a redemption story. It was just... It was like a coming... A late coming of age that you just wanted to kick him in the head You just for. wanted to punch him in the face <laughs> so bad. But yeah, let's dive into the TV show. 
So, here's how not to plan a career. One, split up with boyfriend. Two, ditch college. Three, go to work in a struggling record shop. Four, become owner of said record shop and stay there for the rest of life. And five, well, there is no five. So, David, what did you think about the modern updates High Fidelity got in this miniseries? So I think very early on in this series, I would say maybe the first four episodes, really wasn't enjoying it that much. And I think it just has to do with the fact that it actually stayed really close to the source material. I feel like it was hitting the same beats. They weren't remixing the plot points up that much. I think Zoe Kravitz was still enjoyable. But there's a point about mm, halfway through the season where I feel like it finally wants to tell its own stories and its own plot points that I really started to enjoy it. So... All in all, I felt pretty mixed on the season and the story as a whole, but it was something that I wanted to revisit at the end of the day. I kind of had a different, I had a different experience. Uh, So let's go through some of the changes that they made. So Rob is not only a woman, she's a little bit, she's a little bit younger than the original Rob. Um, her relationship, the very serious relationship that kind of springs forward everything, happened a year ago in the story instead of immediately, uh, which I think is a pretty big change um, because she's not – she doesn't seem as much like a petulant child reacting to it. Yeah. She's just not dealing with it very well. Um, whereas Rob from the original really – it felt like he was just a child. He was he just, just arrested. Couldn't get it over. It's it. stuck in arrested development. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's significant. She agreed to marry him uh, initially, and that was Rob's big hangup was that he didn't want to move forward in the. He wanted everything to stay the same. And Zoe Kravitz, Rob does agree to get married, but she's not being completely honest with him about everything that's going on with her, and that's why they start growing apart. Which I think is a much more a sophisticated relationship than we got in the original. Yeah, they told it in a bit more of a nuanced way. And and they made sure to still have the main beats of the story. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I initially was turned off by, was like, oh, we're hitting the point where they're doing this, and now they have to do this. I, but in terms of justifying yeah. Rob's actions as a character... Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they did an extremely better job in yes. making it, it wasn't so much of a complete overhaul of the character, but mm-hmm. almost updating it to modern times to yeah. make you see their side of the story a little bit more clearly and not justify their actions, but make Rob a little bit more relatable for not just yeah. men, but women. So that's and why the that that's what I enjoyed most about the changes. Well, and Rob isn't remade into a good person in this no she is still very much a jerk and self-involved and she has a lot of tunnel vision despite like her friends trying to help her but unlike our original rob her friends like her she likes her (laughs) friends she they take care of each other in a way that's very similar to what i think adult relationships look like um You know, she does things to make herself feel better, but she's always very aware that that's what she's doing and she's reflecting on it a lot more. Yes. And 
I, while, while in the original we were stuck in Rob's head a lot more, I never felt like he realized how he was affecting other people or wrestled with it at all. Whereas she, this Rob very much comes, like, she, she has to face at certain points how she's affecting other people in her life. This series feels less like changing the Rob character to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And more so changing the Rob character to be a human being. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because a lot of times when we do, when we've looked at adaptations that have had a previous adaptation, uh, like we talked about this in the Little Women one, it, sa- it feels like the new adaptation is having conversation with the previous adaptation. Yes. And I don't feel that way with this. It feels like they took the source material and they didn't even look at the original John Cusack and they're just like, we're going to do just a good modern telling of this story. And I think it serves them well. It does, because in the previous version, they were relying on John Cusack for you to like. A lot. He's charming, and that's (laughs) the only reason why you feel any sort of connection to Rob. Yeah. While in this story, for all the points that you made, you're able to relate to Rob a lot more because Rob, I don't know, likes friends and has a brother and has all these things that make Rob more relatable. Yeah. So what did you think? We talked about Zoe Kravitz a couple of times already. What did you think about the casting in this show? Because not only does Rob get a recasting, but her friends also get a fairly fresh recasting as well. I think in the first episode, and it takes a couple episodes for the new cast to kind of get used to it. Yeah. Uh, for example, Devine Joy, who plays... Sharice. Uh, Sharice, yeah. yes. She plays a little bit too Jack Black she in does, the first couple episodes. It's I... A- <laughs> I- disagree i don't think i don't think it's possible to play too much jack black i think she comes in punching just like jack black does um i think she i really enjoyed her performance i think she really dares you to be like you think i'm going too much well let me just show you up in the next scene because i'm gonna go bigger and i kind of love that for that character i think it makes sense for that character I also love that Jack Black got recast as this wonderful black woman. I think you would love that too. <laughs> I think you would. Oh, really don't get like me wrong. That. When I saw the type of different casting they've done, because yeah. they they cast these characters completely differently, and I yeah. loved both of the changes. I think she just she sounds like Jack Black in the first episode. She does, yeah. And then after that first episode, and almost like she gets to be herself a little bit more, and that's when I really started to enjoy it. Now, the changes they made to Simon are night and day, and he was enjoyable in the original story. Like, I loved the actor who played him in the movie adaptation. So the original one, so his original character is Dick, and they update him to be called Simon. Yes, Yeah, and uh, Jack Black's original character was named Barry, and he is updated to Charisse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Those are the friends. I forget their original names. Yeah. It's not like, you know, we reviewed this a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Right uh, but the changes they made to Dick's character, to Simon, uh, were extremely interesting because, one, Zoe Kravitz or Rob uh, dated him at one point. Mm-hmm. He's also gay. Mm-hmm. And he also is a lot more involved in Rob's life. Yeah. And it makes it so much more interesting because, yeah. one – the character has something to do. Mm-hmm. And two, it it just brings a modern take to this 
character that beforehand was just there to make like sarcastic remarks like from a perspective of just like a music lover the changes they made to this character from being like this sort of stuck-up pretentious guy to being someone who uh, is shows passion about music without being a jerk like they removed a lot of the toxic fandom yeah they really did story and Mm -hmm. a lot of that is done through the dick slash simon character Simon was probably my favorite character by far. His dedicated episode, I love. Yes, he gets, yes, he has his very own episode. I think it's the eighth episode, I yeah. want to say. And it's one of my favorite episodes. It's very well done. And most of the episodes just him talking to the camera. And I really, I really liked him, his performance, and his relationship with Zoe Kravitz's character the most out of the show. Um, he is listed as one of her top five breakups. And when he finds out that she's going on this like spiritual journey to go and talk to her old uh, flings, he's like, please remove me from this list. I didn't leave you. I'm still in yes. your life. <laughs> like I, we were in a relationship doing X, Y, and Z. And now we're still in a relationship and we just do X and Y and not Z. And I, that was such like a cute friend moment. Yeah. It was so meaningful. And every time, the show has a really good emotional moment. It's because Simon is stepping in and he's taking care of people. And I think he's just such a good character. He brings really so much him. emotional depth to yeah. the entire show. I think Sharice did too. Uh, you know, she has her own little moment at the very end of the She's kind of a goof character for, for the most part. The end, yeah, is really where she comes into her own plot. Yeah, and then she... You start to see her her own insecurity that she's dealing with when she, as she's trying to become her own artist. And it's very sweet. And so there's a lot of surprisingly tender moments in the show that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Uh, now, they did take notes from us, and they yes. gave Rob a sibling. Yes. Which I, no, Rob had a sibling already. Did Rob have a sibling? No, Rob was an only child. Oh, that's right. Liz is not his... Okay, here's the problem. That Liz is played by Joan Cusack <laughs> and is a real-life sister to John Cusack. And in my mind, I melded them as brother and sister. Yes. So, yes, they did take our notes. They gave Rob a sibling, and they're fantastic. I am so glad. They even took yeah. notes that, like, the sibling didn't have to be, like, a perfect person. And this, no. there's an episode <laughs> where he's very much not so. Yeah, so his name is Jackson. Yes. Um, and he shows up and he they have the most brother and sister relationship, and it's very funny. He is constantly saying things that he should not say to her. I guess not not that. He is constantly saying things in such a tactless way yeah. that's so reminiscent of a brother and sister relationship, and it's hilarious. And his wife is really great. Uh, she's pregnant the entire time, and it's super funny. But yeah, he takes the place of Liz, who was there in the original to basically kick Rob's butt around uh, and he very much takes that place but there's also moments where Rob has to s- step up and take care of him too so it's a really good relationship yeah and they learn from each other which was a big thing like the one thing I always hated about the original is that all I wanted was someone to go up to Rob like a sibling yeah. and be like hey you're doing XYZ and it's driving me crazy and they do that in there's- this show and she <laughs> learned not immediately but she learns the lesson There's an entire part towards the end of the season where almost every character Rob interacts with yells at her and calls her an a-hole. And it's very 
It's what I always wanted to happen in the original story. (laughs) Because there are just certain points where that really needed to happen. And it was a very funny thing that kept kept happening in that episode. It was a good episode. Yeah. What did you think of the addition of the extra boyfriend? His name was... Clyde. Clyde, Played by Jake Lacey. Okay, so in my notes, I was writing like just like first impression notes as I was watching through it. Uh, I My very first impression, I didn't think he was going to last. He's like in the opening. Yeah, I one of the opening. Yeah, yeah, he was in the opening episode. He's meant to be just like a fling that she has right after she runs back into her ex on the street. Um, and I wrote down that he has a very heavy, uh, he has a very heavy Ben, ben Affleck vibe oh, to yeah. him. Big like, Ben Affleck vibes. Like really strong, young, was that movie that he's in goodwill hunting yeah he's a very like he's got some goodwill hunting vibes yes very much so uh so i didn't think he was going to be around for very long i ended up really liking him because he is like this vanilla character who is normally very boring yeah and he's played very fun in this he plays such a good contrast to everything that's going on in rob's life uh that he becomes interesting and I always thought he – I was surprised by how many lines they gave him, if I'm honest. But he, like, tags along to all of her adventures, and then he gets so many moments where the camera lingers on him, and you can see how nervous he is around Rob. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's very, very good. And so I actually enjoyed it because it gave Rob more of a life outside of just her ex. Yeah, and I'm glad that someone put a quote-unquote normal character yeah. into a show and they aren't seen as boring. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I was really worried he was going to be a boring character. So they definitely introduce a love triangle. Yes. And normally I don't like love triangles, but unlike most, this love triangle feels like it's about Rob and mm-hmm. not really about her choice of who she ends up with. It's more of like who is what relationship is going to help her grow up. That's more of like the question throughout the se- season. Yes. David, what is your favorite episode from the show? And I feel like you're going to choose mine. So just say it. Just say it out. So my favorite episode is a plot point that they have from the book that they cut from the movie where Rob goes to visit a record collection of a wife looking to divorce her husband. Yep. That's my favorite. That's my favorite episode. So the general plot of this episode Mm -hmm. is that she goes to visit a record collector. A collection that has the most prized records ever, and this ex-wife wants to sell it for $20. The ex-wife, played by Parker Posey, hilarious. Who does an incredible job. Super funny. She's like an artist, and it's the funniest thing when they walk through her house. It's so funny. And she makes them stop at every art thing that she has in there, and it's just the wildest stuff. It's just the weirdest thing. She She has a clear, my favorite one. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you again. My favorite one is that it's a clear glass wall and it just has these weird hairs in it. And when she stands behind it, it gives her bangs. Yeah, that was a pretty funny <laughs> shot. And she goes, it's and- so funny. She's like, bangs. <laughs> <laughs> her performance is great. Oh man, she's 110% there. Okay, yeah, go on. So, But the- she, uh, Rob, uh, Rob uh, feels uncomfortable purchasing the record collection. So she goes to uh, meet the ex-husband mm-hmm. who is at a club and he ends up being the worst human being the worst ever, ever. Mm-hmm. and this is a change in the book you never met the ex-husband yeah. in this one he is terrible they confirm he's terrible but in the end of it she still doesn't buy the record collection well because she 
there, she's being offered it for only twenty dollars. Yes, and it's and she like feels uncomfortable. It's like a worth thousands of dollars. And the reason why I like this episode, two things. One, this is the part where I feel like the TV show is finally starting to tell its own story. It's when it gets off the beaten path that they were just following, like plot points from the book. And even though this is a plot point from the book, they make enough changes that it just doesn't feel like a carbon copy. And also. In the book, and even in like the movie outtake, if you watch it, it's kind of unclear why the heck he doesn't buy the collection. Yeah. And in this one, they make it very clear because, <laughs> because they even say it out loud, which mm-hmm. is they feel like, or Rob feels like if they uh, can come after his collection, they can come after her stuff too. And she yeah, feels she's, uncomfortable with she's that. She's really dedicated to music belonging to everybody. And so if... If this guy who's a jerk it deserves to lose everything that he loves, maybe she, also a jerk, also deserves to lose everything she loves. And that's very difficult for her. And so she chooses not to buy the incredible collection in front of her, which is still a decision I would – I commend her for because I think it's a really interesting character point. I'm still – I still can't believe she didn't just go for it. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. But, but I think the, it is, the it TV is show does a great job yeah. at actually showing why that decision happened. And This is also my favorite episode because they bring Clyde back in because he has a car. They're like, what kind of jerk, oh, yeah. what kind of jerk has a car in New York? And it's this guy with a Prius, which is hilarious. Uh, and he drives her around the entire day, and he's used as part of the adventure in a very fun way, and they have a good back and forth the whole time. So it's not only just a really interesting, like you said, diversion from the original, because they go on this like mini adventure, but it's also a good moment to build up these characters that are specific to the show, like you said. So mm-hmm. it feels it was, and it was super funny like genuinely was, a very funny this episode. show really gets funnier as the season goes yeah, on it really does there were i was surprised at how many genuine laugh out loud moments i had yeah uh i was not expecting because i didn't really find the original very funny uh but i think this show does humor in a really good way uh because it mixes like awkward situational humor where you're like cringe humor with like genuinely funny people being ridiculous humor. Yeah. There's a lot more character humor moments, which is Absolutely. what I could appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. So was there anything about the miniseries that you did not like? I think that, like I said, it sticks a little bit too close to the book for a good amount of episodes. I also don't necessarily think that Rob's story is one that hasn't been told before, if that makes sense. Like, I don't, like, even though they've made Rob a much more um, relatable character, I don't necessarily think the show was saying anything new. I think the points that it was saying were still good and well put and interesting. But there was never a moment in the show that super surprised me, except for maybe a plot point at the end when she gives, uh, when she buys that guitar. Mm-hmm. That was really the only moment that was really interesting for me. But there wasn't a point where I was like, wow, that really supro- surprised me as a character moment. Yeah, I I think my criticisms for this, the series are, are pretty small, actually, because I think the show does a really good job of uh, taking what was good about the original, uh, which was this group of friends in an interesting setting, 
uh, with a very internal struggle going on with the main character about growing up, which I think, like you said, is not very original, but still very interesting. And it puts like a really good set coat of paint around it. Yeah. Um, It also does something which was maybe the only thing I liked in the original, which is Rob is talking to you, the audience, quite a bit. And there are things that she does not share with you right away. And as you get to know her throughout the series, then she reveals more and more about what was really happening, the mistakes she actually made, um, you know, the real decisions that uh, reveal her character. And I think that is what makes the show really good because all the tension is the internal tension of the character. And I think that's very difficult to do in any setting, no less a 10-episode miniseries. Yeah. So I I liked it quite a bit. My criticisms are... It's very hard for me to see Zoe Kravitz as a loser. <laughs> <laughs> she is pretty I think cool. she's she's yeah. a little bit too cool to be in that role. I think she pulls it off pretty well because, um, like I said, a lot of the conflict is internal. So a lot of her problems are self-made problems. So you buy that a little bit more. But that she only had five relationships and she's 30, that's a little harder to believe. Yeah. Yeah. There is some points where I can kind of see her at least being like – this different kind of music nerd. Yeah. Like there's this very funny joke. I laughed way too hard at this joke mm-hmm. where they cut to her in her first relationship and she's listening to music on a bench and some yeah. like a uh, little white kid comes up to her and he's like, oh, what are you listening to? And she's like, Weezer. And she says, I wasn't <laughs> listening to Weezer. All white boys love Weezer. I was listening <laughs> to Frank Zappa. Yeah. Which. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was, pre- it was very funny for me. <laughs> Uh, and I believe that in that moment that like, oh, she was like this little nerdy kid yeah. who listened to like music that is like uncool for yes. a lot of people. I also think that and you you are a better um, you are a better critic of this than I am. So I, I will need your opinion on this. I enjoyed that I knew more of the music references in this than in the original. That said, that worries me because I do not know a lot about music. So I feel like a series, a a story that is set around people, you know, being like the nerdiest of nerds about music, I should know. I should not be like, oh, yeah, that song. Oh, yeah, that song. Oh, yeah, that song. Is the, here's the question Is the music in this? season cool enough <laughs> uh i would think that so here's the thing is i thought about this and even the rob in the original story just liked pop music like he just talked about liking pop that's music. true that's actually true, i think yeah. that the only criminally like like just questionable thing they did was not include a lot of hip-hop i that's think that true. was that's the kind of only surprising thing. like having i mean i don't know how much like you'll know this but like having a uh uh uh, Tyler the Creator album just in the background and not mm-hmm. playing doesn't make sense to me. It's New York. And yeah, having a yeah. Wu-Tang poster on the Yeah, that's cool. They they but I'm not mad about it because mm-hmm. I think for the most part if you're a music nerd like me, you can look in the background and be like, "Oh, look, they got this, they got that, they got this." And it's it's made for everybody. So yeah. I'm not really too concerned about that. 
Yeah. Uh, because there were still parts where I looked in the background. I'm like, oh, I know that album or, oh, that's cool. And yeah. they make it's really funny because they have like this meta commentary with, like you said, the movie where they have like a Tina Turner album in the background mm-hmm. that they specifically made fun of in the movie. Yeah. They make fun of fish in the in the show a lot, which I thought was funny. It was well deserved. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't like fish. <laughs> were you mad that they moved it from uh, Chicago to New York? I was initially disappointed, of course. Uh, but I think what bothers me is that in the movie, you get a sense of like Chicago identity and music mm-hmm. in there. And yes, like I said, they have a Wu Tang poster. They have Killer Mike in the background mm-hmm. and stuff like this, and like like a bunch of stuff that if you look in the background, you can see and you'd be like, "Oh, that's cool." But it doesn't feel very new york if yeah. that makes sense yeah and then the only reason why i say that is because there's other shows i've seen that feel new york to me yeah and this didn't seem to embrace the setting as much i don't think it had to necessarily but it's just one of those things that it's the only thing i liked about the previous yeah, movie I get what you mean. yeah so it's something i did want to find in this show yeah i've seen people critic like this season has been pretty well received yeah um and i saw that as a specific criticism so i want to get your thought especially because and i was surprised to see uh quest love was in charge of the music decisions in it i mean i think you can actually see that like i was wondering who was in charge yeah. after the first couple episodes because they didn't play music i was expecting yeah they didn't yeah. so i looked at it and then it was quest love i was like oh i get it now actually because oh, okay. he's playing a lot of like soul classics yeah He's a lot that's of, true like, it was a lot of classics mm-hmm. and so i did kind of understand that because that's a lot of the music he samples from to begin with yeah so i kind of understood why he chose the music that he did again i don't think it needs to nece- necessarily serve that audience as much mm-hmm. it's really funny because if you look at the type of audiences that reviewed this tv show they have extremely like maybe not extremely they have generally negative reviews of this tv show. really yeah don't read the pitchfork review of this tv okay. show all the reviews i've seen have placed it as like a solid b so like in the 80 to 88 yeah. percent that's where usually. i would place this that's where i would place it too i think it's i think it's a, a better adaptation uh, I think it has some of the theme. It represents some of the themes that I think Nick Hornby was going for better than I think just the straight telling that the original John Cusack movie did. Um, and I think it's done more interestingly. Yes. With a better cast of characters. Now saying that, are you looking forward to a season two? And if so, what would you want? I... Hold on. Before we dive in, that's an excellent question. Before we dive in, because that's kind of our wrap-up question, I wanted to ask, do you buy the ending of this series, of this 10 episodes of season one? Like if it just ended? Like if it just ended, do you buy... Okay, so let's go over plot points real quick. We usually don't do that, but real quick. So we find out in, throughout the 10 episodes, that Robin uh, found a ring... Uh, that Mac was going to propose to her with. She freaked out. She left, went to a bar, and slept with somebody that night. Immediately regretted it, came back, and they got engaged. Throughout their engagement, they grew apart, and he finally left her because they weren't able to communicate very well. He's gone for a year and comes back, and all this kind of unravels throughout um, the, the 10 episodes. And when everything is out in the open, uh, Rob 
has this moment where it's very clear that she could probably pick things back up again with Mac if she chooses to. She decides not to and instead calls up Clyde and tries to get together with him. He's pissed because she's been treating him kind of like crap throughout the entire yeah. 10 episodes. Uh, and he tells her, you have like a 9%, ch- we have a 9% chance of working out. And she's like, fine, I'm going for it. And it kind of ends there. And then it ends on this really great note where she has sold her prized possession to buy Sharice the guitar that she's been saving up for. And Sharice strums the guitar and it's super sweet. Um, Do you buy the ending? Do you buy the change that happens in Rob by the end of the season? I do. Mm -hmm. I think... For me, the reason why I loved it, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that like everything that diverges from the book I necessarily like, mm-hmm. because there's things I don't. But I think in terms of this, it just made sense for Rob's character and what she went through that season, mm-hmm. and like especially seeing like how her brother reacted and all the interactions they had with that, considering that her ex is her brother's best friend. Yes, yeah. Considering all of that, her going to Clyde and then her realizing what she really loves is her friends with all the development she had with Simon, to me, it made sense. To me, it was her aligning herself with the type of life she wanted to live rather than this past that continued to drive her crazy because all of her actions were sort of motivated by this breakup. And it seemed like the only point where she wanted to live a different type of life that she was living throughout the season. So I liked the ending a lot, actually, and I bought it. I liked the ending, but I didn't buy it Tell me why you didn't buy it. Um, I think because what the show does is it tries to have that last scene be a twist uh, because most it's it seems like it's leading up to her getting back together with Mac. Um, there's a scene where Mac's new fiance comes and yells at her, uh, where, you know, the truth is out. So like I said, everyone is yelling at her and she is wrapped up in trying to call somebody and you think it's Mac. It turns out it's Clyde. And I think because the show wanted that twist, it didn't give you her, um, her like darkest moment that usually yeah. comes before the turn. Uh, yeah, I see that. And so her dark darkest moment is really uh, the night of her 30th birthday. It's a terrible <laughs> – she has the worst birthday ever. Um, and she – Clyde offers to hang out with her and instead she spends time with Mac and then ends up telling him the truth. And that should be her darkest moment and then the turn after. But because we don't see – kind of the fallout after that because the story keeps it secret until the very end. It doesn't feel like she's changed yet. And there are even like scenes in the very last episode where Simon keeps on talking to her about what's going on with him and she just isn't listening. And to me, if her deep character growth was going to happen, it should have happened with Simon because he is I agree her closest relationship. And so for me, I didn't quite buy it. I like that she's trying to be a good person, but she's not quite a good person yet. Um, I would love to see that in season two, you know, like going in. If they give him another season, they haven't given him another season yet. Um, I also think, so would you watch season two if they came out with season two? I would. I think I, I think would they, too. 
I think they have to make changes. One, I think my idea for the original High Fidelity TV show is still very good and they should do it. Do you I was remember kinda, it? Yeah, I was kind of surprised they didn't, if I'm honest. I feel like it'd be an easy get. For those who didn't listen to that episode because uh, it's very long, I totally understand. My <laughs> idea is that it, they should switch to uh, Rob learning lessons about love through pop songs yeah. of different artists. I think that would be very interesting because, one, they are finally shedding this like weight of having to follow the book's plot. Yes. They know they no longer have book material. They can move past it and say their own story. They are mostly out they of are book mostly. material. They got a little bit, but for the most part, I don't think they have enough for an entire TV series or I, season of TV. I am afraid that if they get a season two, they'll have a few episodes where Mac and Rob are in a relationship again because that's what happens in the book. They might have that. I think if the if the series can pivot away from this love triangle and mm-hmm. kind of start to tell their own thing, because, you know, what this show didn't do is have some new modern take on uh, like modern relationships. Really what they did for me is update the high fidelity story to uh, have a more relatable main character mm-hmm. and say a l- like a couple more original things on like, friendship yeah and that role it had on rob for me i would love it if it started telling more modern takes on relationships rather than just kind of rehashing the book and then like you said just having it in this really cool setting of mm-hmm. a record shop that is i can think of so many cool things that that can yeah. encompass and i don't think they have to rely on the book material to tell an interesting story because all these characters are already interesting you don't need that material anymore i think so too i think it'll be fun to have some callbacks to it but i think if they're not like shackled to the plot at all. I think that'd be interesting. I think so long as season two is basically just about Simon, Charisse, and Rob, I'm on board for it. The times where I liked Rob the most was in Simon's episode where she's literally just a background character. And she's like the friend he calls to be there all the time. And she's goofy and supportive at the same time. If they had more episodes dedicated to Sharice and Simon, I would I really want Sharice to have that. her own episode. She would do great with her own episode. Yeah, so I, think I would she'd be love really that. good. I think too, she was probably out of the three the least developed. Yeah. And I would like to see her story expanded. She got more she got more story time throughout the season. Uh Simon really doesn't get his story until like his own episode. Um, but I agree. I would love to have a Sharice only episode. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So do you think people should watch this? I think they should. I think that the original High Fidelity story is holded on like a weird pedestal yeah. by a lot of like music nerds. Mm-hmm. And from what I've seen, the people who do like the original story have seen this and have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a you know, the uh, there's a few people who just don't want to see a remake with a girl because it's become a cliche at this point. But like I said, this really isn't a modern retelling with a female perspective. Yeah. I think this is a modern retelling with a more human perspective. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes it super interesting. So I think those critics don't have like one. I think they're valid. The point is stupid to begin with. <laughs> uh, they're just wrong. But two, this show really isn't about that. Yeah. So. I would say absolutely go see it because I think it it tells this story in a much more interesting and nuanced way mm-hmm. than the original movie and book did not. I 100% agree. I think 
I enjoyed it, I think, a little bit more than you did. I had some genuine laugh-out-loud moments throughout the 10 episodes, and I enjoyed binging it. I went through it, uh, I think, in like two or three days. Yeah, I went through it pretty quickly, too. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so it was very fun. That will wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so you get automatically updated whenever we have new episodes like this cool mini-sode that we're doing now. We still consider us pretty new, so if you enjoy anything we talked about in the last hour, please give us a review and tell your friends. Hopefully this isn't an hour. It won't be. It won't be. It's going pretty long, but we'll uh, see. <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at AdaptedPod on all those platforms. You can also send us suggestions on what you want us to talk about next by shooting us an email at stuff at AdaptedPod.com. Our next episode will be on the YA Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. And we'll come out next Thursday, so be sure to tune in to see how we rate that adaptation. Until then... Okay, let me. I'm gonna end us with like my funniest joke. That's all. The funniest the joke. The funniest of all joke time. for me was definitely in the first episode, actually. They're talking about how if you were to take away all the artists that did something terrible, you would only be. That was such a good. Like that was so people. funny. Yes. And then they, uh, for me. And it, it was, was like Phil Collins. It was like <laughs> Phil Collins. And the, no, I lost it when they said Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> yes, I lost that was super it. Super funny. Oh my gosh. More Sufjan Stevens jokes for me. Yeah, please. Extra. Extra.